Well, good morning. Welcome each of you here this morning. I want to welcome those that are at our campuses in Appleton and Stevens Point. And if you're joining us online this morning, great to have you a part of our service here as well. Let me ask and invite everybody to stand with us as we together recite the Apostles' Creed, our statement of faith here at Celebration Church, whether you're at Appleton, Stevens Point, here in Green Bay, in, in your home, wherever you may be. Stand with us and let's declare this together here this morning. Would you join with me? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As I mentioned earlier, this is Mission Sunday, so we want to give you a quick update, a little bit on where we stand with our missions. There'll be a slide up on the screen in just a moment, and you can see some of the balances, our year-to-date figures. As you can see, 2017, over 190,000 that has been given towards missions. Hopefully, maybe by the end of today in our missions offerings that are taking place at both our services and at the campuses as well, we can go over that 200,000 mark, significantly more being given towards missions this year than last year. Thank you so much for that. Doing a lot for missions. Uh, our missions team right now that's in Myanmar are there right now having a wonderful time. We have a quick little video we want to show you of what's taking place in Myanmar. Hey, Celebration Church. It's Mission Sunday today. Uh, this is a pretty exciting one for all of us here in Myanmar. This is our first day we just finished up at Love Children Home with a team of 17 people on our trip this year. Uh, a lot of kids, as you can see, to love, and uh, these kids are sharing their love with us. So we're just so blessed to have this time with them. And uh, when you give at Celebration Church to missions, you're making a big difference in the lives of people all around the world. So thanks for doing everything that you do. We love you. Thank you. Minglaba! We love you, celebration! <laughs> Amen. By the way, the little redhead there is not an orphan in Myanmar. He's my grandson. <laughs> sticks out like a sore... No, not a sore thumb. He sticks out like a thumb. Uh, but it's a wonderful thing. All right, and just a quick update. We have a very special guest this morning that's going to be sharing with us, but I do want to give you a quick update. Thank you so much as a church, as a church family, for joining with us on Thursday as we took time to fast and pray for, for Debbie and Pastor Mark. Uh, the surgery was long, and it, but it did go well. The doctors were, were, were pleased with it. She's still recovering and uh, will continue to do so. I know she would appreciate your continued prayers uh, as she continues to walk out the recovery from the surgery. And we are a church that believes in God's miraculous healing. So let's stand with them and trust God for complete healing in their body. Amen. Well, this morning, I have a privilege of introducing to you someone that's a great friend of Celebration Church, and that this morning, he's going to be coming and speaking to us. So would you put your hands together and give a warm welcome to the Reverend Jimmy Bratcher. Good morning. I'm so happy to be here today. 
I have a new album that I finished, um, and we have copies of it here today. It's actually not released yet. I'm sorry to the campuses that we didn't get them to you, but if you'd like a copy of it, you can go to my website and email me, and I'll be glad. It's not even on there, so you can buy it from the site, but I'll be glad to take care of business. Everybody say business. You can do better than that. Everybody say business. There you go. But I wanted to put together a CD of some of my favorite hymns and gospel songs that uh, I've sang in times past. You know, I was 22 years old when I came to faith in Jesus. And all I ever wanted to do in my life up to that point was to play guitar. I wanted to be a rock and roll musician. I wanted to be a rock star. And I haven't made it, but I haven't quit trying either. So. And one of the things that after I came to know Jesus, the first thing that the church came to me and said was, you have to quit playing that devil music. And uh, so I did for 20 years. I just hung it up. And uh, just so you'll know, the devil doesn't have any music. There's only two types of music, good and bad. So... But during that 20-year time, I learned to play some old hymns and some old gospel songs. That's what the new album's about. The album's called New Old Stuff. And this is one of them. I need thee every hour most gracious Lord no tender voice like thine can peace afford I need thee oh I need thee every hour I need thee bless me now my Savior I come to thee I need thee every hour stay thou close by temptations lose their power when thou art nigh I need thee oh I need thee every hour I need thee Bless me now, my Savior, I come to Thee. Come quickly, 
me now, my Savior. I come to Thee, oh. I come to Thee. I need You, Jesus. That's as fast as I can run right there. Well, I am just thrilled to be here. My wife, Sherry, is here with me. For those of you that have never met Sherry, Sherry, stand up so everybody can see you. We're always grateful to have the opportunity to come to Celebration Church. You all, as a church family, help us consistently with our missions projects. We didn't, I didn't tell the first service this, but just last week, we were invited to be, in, to be in Toronto and to be part of the Invictus Games. If you don't know about the Invictus Games, it's a little thing that, that uh, Prince Harry started. And he was there, and it's an international wounded warrior competition. There were 550 um, wounded veterans from all over the world. Some even from Afghanistan were there competing for, you know, medals. And it was such an incredibly inspiring event. And Sherry and I were invited to be there and be part of the chaplain's team. And I did concerts nightly in the entertainment village. And uh, it was just a remarkable thing because one of the things that was so remarkable about it is while you're there on stage, you're singing basically to the entire world. And the impact of it, you know, there was a guy there sitting on, sitting right in front of me from Ukraine. He couldn't speak any English, but he was feeling the essence of the songs. And so it's such a remarkable thing. And since we were here last, we got to go to Sturgis, and Pastor Mark went with us on that. We opened for the Doobie Brothers there, and it was quite a remarkable event. We had a great time, and it was an incredible week of just outreach and ministry there as well. So, anyway, that being said, I'm going to start with my introduction by saying this. It might be that you've never heard a preacher say this before from a pulpit, but I'm going to be bold enough to be honest and say it. Today, I'm preaching this message because I need it. It's something that I need. And so I'm not just sharing with you a message, I'm sharing with you a need in my life. And so I hope that that allows you to connect to this message because I don't mean it just to be directed to me personally, but I also know that it helps if you understand that I have the same needs that you do. And so I'm sharing this message today because I need it. I'm not trying to make a political statement in what I'm about to say, but the recent events in our country have seemed to just basically overwhelm me. And that I look at all the disasters that have taken place, the tragedy in Las Vegas, the repeated over and over again images from all of those things, and I found myself in a state of depression. And I had to stop it. So I'm not trying to make a political statement about anything. I might be the least political person that you know. 
If you follow me on social media, I don't engage in those things. And the reason why is because as a minister, I really basically as a believer, I believe that I'm called to things higher than political things. Now, if you're involved in the political process, go ahead. That's fine. If you're involved in the political process, then God bless you. Go do that. And if that's your calling, I'm for you. I'm not against you in any way. But for me, I'm not engaging in that or trying to help people to make those decisions one way or another. The only thing that I've done recently that was political and I didn't even realize it is, is that I saw a t-shirt online and I liked it. So I bought it and it said, make America grateful again. And I didn't know it was a grateful dead t-shirt when I bought it, but I thought, Hey, (laughs) it fits. So I'm going to take it. Make America grateful again. So when I got the call Tuesday from Pastor Mark asking me to come, I said, I began to pray and ask God, what should I speak about? And I just had this thought, I think I'll Google, let's make America grateful again. And as I did that, it led me here and there. It led me to look at words like gratitude. And then I found something that was very interesting. I'm sorry, I got away from my slides on it, so I'm going to forget that first slide. So anyway, it came to something that I thought was very interesting. In 1863, right in the middle of America's most divided time, something happened from the office of the president. There was a proclamation that was set forth. Right at the most pivotal moment, at the most divided time in our history. And I think in that proclamation, It holds a key for us as a nation right now. It was a proclamation that was signed by President Abraham Lincoln. And I thought about reading the entire proclamation because it's a piece of work, but I'm not that good a reader, so, you know, you'll have to just bear with me. Here's what I dug out of it, and I'm quoting. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands, to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day day of thanksgiving and praise to our benevolent Father who dwells in the heavens. Right at the pivotal moment in the most divided time in American history, our president, President Abraham Lincoln, sat down and penned those words and put it before the American people. And still today, we celebrate the last Thursday in November as what we know as Thanksgiving. But in the, docu- in the document as it stands, it was Thanksgiving and praise directed specifically to the Most High God. I think maybe that might hold a key for us today as we face such division in our country. What this teaches us is that in times of division in conflict, what we need most are people with a heart and voice full of thanksgiving and praise. What we, you know, and I don't hear that today. I don't read that on my social media feeds. I don't see that there are people that have anything good to say about anything. We live in a culture of complaint. Everybody's complaining. And as I look at the influences on my social media, which are predominantly Christian people, I don't see people that have a voice 
full of thanksgiving and praise. And we are commanded by God to be those people. We need to be those people that when people look at us, it's easy for them to identify us because there's something significantly different about us that they don't see in other people. And that needs to be that we need to be people that have a mouthful of thanksgiving and praise. The Bible tells us that we are to be a singing people, a singing people. But I wonder sometimes if we haven't lost our song. You know, our daughter, our youngest daughter, Amanda, she was all, she is our strong-willed child. She's a wonderful lady and a great mother and a great wife, but she was always our strong-willed child. So much so that Sherry nicknamed her as our miniature tank. Because she never walked around anything, she always walked right straight through the middle of it. But Amanda was always happy, always laughing, and always singing. But there were times when the house got quiet. She wasn't laughing, and she wasn't singing. And Sherry would hear this and would recognize that there was the absence of laughing and singing coming from Amanda's room and she would go to Amanda and she would say Amanda have you lost your song where's your song and it would it would wake up something inside of Amanda and all of a sudden there would be this voice of singing and laughter she lost her song my text today will be Psalm 137 verses 1 through 6 And it talks about a people that lost their song. It says this, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung up our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there those who carried us away captive ask of us a song. And those who plundered us requested myrrh, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the songs of the Lord in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. This was an extremely terrible moment in the history of Israel. They'd been taken away captive. They'd been taken to Babylon captive. Their cities had been destroyed. They were made slaves. And their slaveholders came to them and said, sing us a song. But they said, how can we, how can we sing the Lord's song in a captive land? They lost their song. And I believe today that many of us have lost the simple song that should be in our heart of thanksgiving and praise. So what do you do when you've lost your song? I have five points. Number one, from this verse, from this passage. Number one, you stop weeping. The Bible tells us that weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. 
And what that verse teaches us is it puts a limit to our weeping. That there's a boundary set. The Bible tells us it's okay if you weep for a night, but in the morning, you need to remember that joy comes then. And we know that joy is such a a fundamental foundation of who we are as believers because the joy of the Lord is our strength. We must be people of joy if we are going to be strong. These emotions are something that God created in us and they have purpose and they have life and he infuses our emotions. Yes, it's okay to weep, but for the night, but then in the morning, we need to find our voice of joy. What do you do when you lost your song? Number one, stop weeping. Number two, you pick up what you've hung up. These people, they had, they had instruments. They had the tools. They had the resources that they needed to sing, but they, it says they hung them up. And if you've lost your song, the first thing that you need to do is you need to go get what you've hung up. Go back and get it. Go find those words. Go find that instrument. Go find that voice. Number three, what to do when you lost your song? When people ask for a song, sing it. It's not that difficult. As a musician, I'm always amazed, and I've been this way myself. Musicians are the most apologetic people in the world. Because if you ask them for a song, they're the most shy, the most timid, but then they get up and they just like belt it out. You know, it's all false humility. There you go. I'm picking on the musicians. Come on now. When you're asked for a song, the response is so simple. What do you do? You sing it. What do you do? What do you do? When you lost your song and somebody says, where's that song? You know why this is so important? Let me tell you why this is so important. Because people are watching you. When calamity comes, when heartache hits, what do you do? Do you grieve? Of course. Do you weep? Of course. But do you sing? They're looking because they know that you're different. Because you have a different mark on you. You know, back in the book of Revelation, the Bible tells us that we are marked with the mark of God. We are sealed with his mark. We are those people that have a different attitude. We have a different walk because of Christ in us. And when we're asked, we sing. Number four, I should have saved my comment on musicians for this one. Number four, what do you do when your song is lost? You stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. How do you sing in a foreign land? You start. You start. You simply start. Number five, and this one might be the most important. What do you do when you lost your song? You remember. You remember. You know, when I I lose my song, I start to think, I just look back over my life. I just turn around and look at my, my past And I can say with the psalmist, and I can turn and say, goodness and mercy have followed me. They followed me. You remember. 
You remember not only your past, but you remember the present. You know, I'm so amazed at how blessed we are as a nation. And when I travel to other countries, how, how blessed we are. We're so blessed. We have nothing to complain about. We have every reason to have a song in our mouth for the freedoms that we enjoy, for the luxuries that we partake of, for the food that we eat. And if we just remember the goodness of God presently, it'll start a song in our hearts. And we need to remember our future because the good God, our Father, His Son, Jesus, they have a good future for us. God has plans for you. He made a plan for you. And that plan is a good plan. Therefore, we should have this song in our heart. There's a story over in Acts chapter 16 that talks about some guys that found their song in the middle of a great calamity. Psalms verse, I'm just going to pick a verse out of this and then I'll talk about it. Acts 16, verse 25. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. And it says this, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Paul and Silas had been on this missionary journey, and for several days there had been a girl that had been following them. And this girl was was unique in that she had a gift. And this gift that she had was that she could tell the future. And she was owned by a man that made money off of her. And after several days, it became annoying because she was following Paul and Silas and yelling out, these are great men of God. Listen to them. They know the way of salvation. And she just kept screaming it out. And finally, one day, Paul got tired of it, and he turned around and he commanded the demon that was in her to come out. And it came out. And when it came out, she no longer had a gift, which meant her owner could no longer make money. And he got incensed about it, and he went and got a mob together, and they apprehended Paul and Silas. The Bible says that they beat them severely. They, ca- they went through a caning. With wooden sticks, they beat him severely, locked him up in the dungeon of the prison, and here we find them at midnight, and what are they doing? They're singing and praying. When it's the darkest moment in your life, what do you need the most? When, it's, when it was the darkest moment in our nation, what did we need? We needed people with a voice of thanksgiving and praise. When it's the darkest moment, the biggest trial that you've ever faced in your life, what do you need? You'll go through all the other emotions of grief and sorrow and loss and all of those things, but at some place, there has to be a song in your mouth. And Paul and Silas were here in this dungeon and they started singing and the the foundation of the prison was shook All of the doors came open. The prisoners were all released. 
but they stayed there in their cell and the jailer came in and found them. And the result of that incident was he was born again. His family was born again and many others because of that one thing. And as I studied this passage of scripture, I found it amazing because you can actually find out exactly what they were singing in that jail cell, which I think is just absolutely amazing. And the, you know, the commentators tell us that they were singing some of the Pascal hymns, which would be Psalm 113 through Psalm 118. So can you imagine two severely beaten men at midnight in a dungeon? And all of a sudden you hear words that go like this from Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, his mercy endures forever. I called on the Lord in distress and the Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do to me. And all of a sudden an earthquake takes place. It shook the very foundation of everything that was wrong in their experience and opened the door for them to be in a broad place, in a place like that. We need some people right now in America to stand up and to make a difference and to be people that have a mouth full of thanksgiving and praise. It's oh so important to us. The psychologists tell us that if we are grateful people, if we're just grateful people, here's some of the benefits of being grateful people. Stronger immune system and healthier blood pressure. Better psychological health with fewer toxic emotions. Better sleep, increased mental health, greater happiness and optimism, more generosity and compassion, less loneliness and feelings of isolation. It all comes from us simply having this gratitude in our heart. And I know sometimes it's so overwhelming. It's so hard for us to find that moment, that place where we can find that one thing to be grateful for. But that might just be a seed in your heart that explodes into a mammoth growth of a huge tree. But only when you start to sing it. The psychologists tell us that our gratitude produces empathy. That it gives us the ability to feel what other people feel. Which was exactly how Jesus came being touched by the feelings of our infirmities. It also, the, the, the doctors also tell us that the lack of gratitude produces empowerment, entitlement. It produces entitlement. And maybe that's why in our country today we have so many people that feel entitled that aren't grateful for the land that we live in. We need to be those people that stop criticizing, that stop complaining, 
and start giving thanks and praise to the Most High God for all of the blessings and benefits that he bestows on us and gives us daily. And I'm enlisting you to join with me in this quest that we be people that are known for the song that we have in our heart. You might say, well, I'm not a singer. That's all right, the Bible took that into account. And it gave us a commission and it said, make a joyful noise. So if a noise is all you can make, God said, that's all right. I'll take that noise and I'll translate it and it'll be beautiful. It'll be wonderful. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you've called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you so much, Father, that you have given us joyful hearts, that you've forgiven us, that you've called us to be those that have mouths full of thanksgiving and praise. Lord, let us be those people that when others are around us and they ask us of a song, that we burst into song immediately, giving thanks and praise to you. Lord, empower us to be strong and mighty in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless y'all.